Scanny and thanks for tuning in to The Grown Up Hustle. This podcast is based on real people sharing all their different journeys as they navigate this crazy ride called adulting. From coffee o'clock to wine o'clock and all that happens in between, we're here to openly discuss how we're all just really hustling our way through life. So if you're ready for the highs, the lows and a whole lot of real talk, then stay tuned because we've got you covered. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Grown Up Hustle. Before I kick off the show, I just want to say a um, hello and thank you to all of my listeners over in the States. I don't know how you came across me, but I'm really, really grateful for your support. I've had such a beautiful response from so many different people all over the world for the shows that have been out there so far. And like for all of you globally, I really, really, really appreciate it. So yeah, again, thank you. I don't think I'll ever stop saying thank you. I do appreciate that without you guys listening and supporting me, then I wouldn't even have this podcast. So it does really mean a lot. So this week on the show, we are going to be talking about sex work. I've got Dana Gregg on the show today, more famously known as Cherry Dana, and she's going to be giving us all a deeper insight into the adult entertainment industry. So a little bit about Cherry. She's very business minded. She's a great entrepreneur. She's a strong, successful woman, and she's also a really great friend. And she's going to be sharing her story of how it all started for her and how she built her empire, starting from the bottom with absolutely nothing to today's huge success. Hey, Cherry, welcome to the show today. It's great having you on all the way from Sydney, Australia. So I just want to cut straight to business today and let's break it down. I want to quiz you on all the topics to do with the adult industry, the ins and outs, the highs, the lows, the ups and downs, and kind of where it all started for you, how it all started for you and what the industry has brought for you. So where do I start? So... Uh, growing up, I have a background in dance and fitness. And when I was very young, I I ended up moving to Mexico when I was 19 for 19 months um, dancing. And I came back to Australia. Um, I couldn't, I grew up in Newcastle. I couldn't uh, find a job there. So I ended up moving to Sydney which is about two hours away from Newcastle. Um, And I was studying dance and fitness full-time back home. And to pay my bills, to pay my rent, like living in Sydney is really expensive, like as you know. Um, It's like one of the most expensive cities in Australia. Rent on its own is like phenomenal out here. Um, So trying to study five days a week, eight hours a day, pay my rent, um, like what, pay your car off, pay for food. Um, that was a lot. So because I already had a background in bikini, like bikini competitions, dance and stuff, I felt comfortable within myself and my own, like my body. And one of my friends goes, Hey, do you want to do lingerie waitressing? And I was like, well, sure. If I'm going to get paid, to be in lingerie that's fine all you've got to do is serve drinks and I'm like sounds like hospitality to me (laughs) um 
So yeah, I started lingerie waitressing and I started on um, a really shitty boat for $50 an hour. And I was like, I thought it was great at the time. Now I look back at it and I go, oh, what were you thinking, mate? (laughs) But um, that $50 an hour for lingerie or bikini waitressing uh, really helped out. So for me working a four-hour shift... So $50 an hour was great money as opposed to the other four jobs I had working like five hours for like $100 at a bar or something like that. So that's how I got started in the industry was initially for money to pay my way through dance and fitness. How old were you at this point? Uh, tw- just, I would have been 22. Okay. Yeah. So I've been in the industry now for, I'm 33, so quite a while. Sucks you in. <laughs> Yeah, like like almost 12 years, yeah. But like I've gone through stages and I think as much as money keeps you in the industry, um, my reasons for staying have kind of broadened past just money, um, especially like last year and this year. I find that the more self-work that you do, um, <clears throat> the more that well, I've progressed as an individual. So. Um, I went through a phase where, so how my mind works is, is I guess I have the mind of an entrepreneur, but I just don't like saying it because it's so ridiculed on mine. And I, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to be that person. (laughs) You've gone from a bikini waitress on a boat for 50 bucks an hour to creating your own brand and your own online little mini empire. And it's all by yourself like so own that like you're a smart girl own what you've achieved so from the lingerie waitress and then where did that lead you to what was your next step because obviously this has been a whole progression for you yeah so from lingerie waitressing I one thing I've learned is never say never because I always end up a few years time going like I'm never gonna do topless waitressing next minute, three years down the track. Here are my titties. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> and this was before I got a boob job. Before I got a boob job, I was still topless waitressing. So that didn't make a difference. So in this period, I had left dance. Um, I had so many injuries that like dance was no longer, I just couldn't have a future in that. As that happened, I became more popular within the industry and were being involved in like calendar shoots. I was on posters. Um, I was one of the faces for one of a well-known agency out here. And I started during this time, social media, um, my first Instagram account, uh, which I started probably like eight, nine years ago was removed at about 15,000 followers. Now you need to remember back in the day, getting followers on social media was not as easy as what it is today. They just fall from the sky these days. Whereas back in the day, you actually had to work for it. And not many people were, I guess, passionate about social media. And I think that's the only thing that helped me because I spent a lot of time and effort um, working out how to use these apps properly how to gain people's interest on these apps. So I was a bit more ahead of people within the industry and um, I guess I got an early start because that's what I wanted to do. And I lost my first account, but my second account, 
like what? You get knocked down, you go again. I lost a million followers one year in the space of two days and I had to start fresh. Ouch. I do remember when I first met you and we first became friends, you were quite big on Snapchat. That was your... Mm -hmm. Your, and mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like the likes of me, I was using Snapchat to send, I don't know, dumb videos when I was like drunk. And you were like monetizing the shit and like working Snapchat so hard. And I was like, what is she doing? Like, I didn't even understand what you were doing at the time. And you were like <laughs> all guns blazing, no holds barred. You were doing for it. And that was your, your thing. And that's kind of what I think has set you aside from a lot of the girls in the industry is that that extra edge that you've got, that business mind to be like, this is fine. What I'm doing is fine, but I want more and I'm going to achieve more. Yeah. So with Snapchat, Snapchat is, I still to this day think Snapchat is one of the best social platforms. I don't use it personally. I use it only for business, but Snapchat has been my most beneficial to drive uh, views and traffic. I think I think when you use Snapchat, and I think this is why Instagram implemented stories, is because when you're watching something full screen, it's more of a personal relation. You respond to that person. Their stories, it's like you're almost partaking in an experience. And I think that's why Snapchat did so well many years ago. And my Snapchat actually went viral uh, it was probably about six years ago, and I ended up having about 620,000 uh, daily views on that Snapchat. So during that time, I was still working in venues around Sydney and I was using it to promote to people the venues I was working at and getting them to come meet me in person. Um, I don't know if it would work as well these days because social media's views have very much changed and it would be seen as uh, prostituting myself online and I'd probably lose my account for that. Um, just based solely because of the industry that's attached to my brand name. So how did you then go? What what was that step? So you were doing the waitressing and then you wanted to set up that online sort of brand for yourself. Where, where did that idea even come from? At the time before I started my um, Snapchat, my Instagram account, I had about 150,000 subscribers, which was pretty good back then um, considering... Uh, Facebook hadn't bought Instagram then, so that was a positive. (laughs) I created a Snapchat because there was one individual, um, her name was Sedgy Fergo over in England, and I saw her using Snapchat as a means to, yeah, as a means to push traffic to one of the strip clubs she was working at. And I literally, I, I looked at it and I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And And that's how I started it. And to this day, like, I don't hide the fact that, like, she was motivation for me because hands down, like, she was phenomenal. She had about 4 million subscribers on her Snapchat. Like, she did it well. I think it was just a fluke for her starting it, but it went really well. And I was like, whoa, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. And I was in, like, the top 10 Snapchat accounts. Um, But, yeah, from... From then on, just growing on social media, I think you realise you're doing well when everyone wants a piece of the pie. So people start contacting you and I guess they're trying to get something from you 
And I think that's when you start to realize you're doing something right. And then that's when, yeah, so there were a lot of agencies here that I was working with. Um, they were trying to benefit themselves and benefit other girls. When you work with an agency, it's, it's like meant to be like a family system. That's your your weekly bread and butter. Like when you're waitressing, you were guaranteed hours and shifts and money. So for me to take a step away from, um, I guess, like being comfortable knowing I'm going to make a couple of hundred a week to you have nothing, you're doing it yourself now. You have to rely on yourself to get bookings and make money. That was a scary step for me, leaving agencies and actually working on my own. Um, And then I freelance waitress, book some of my own jobs. It wasn't until... So you need to remember on social media, I was never making enough money. Um, Five years being on social media, I never made enough money like paying rent and live my lifestyle in Sydney. It wasn't until, so I still had to waitress to do all this. Um, It wasn't until about five years ago, um, I had like 78 cents in my bank account and I moved back to Newcastle from Sydney. Yeah, and um, I'd moved out of my parents' home because I was there for a year after moving back. Um, You know, your parents is always good to save money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I ended up getting George, my dog. Um, I was still commuting between Sydney and Newcastle, waitressing to try to pay my rent. Um, I kind of didn't want to waitress anymore. I really, it had just got to the point when you're like nine years in it's like, is this all I'm going to keep doing? Is this what my life is? Um, I don't see like a long-term return. It's a physical job. And that 78 cents in my bank account was probably like that for a week. I borrowed like $20 to pay um, for George's dog food from Mama because I don't like asking people for money. And um, I, I had a guy come back and forth with me a few times about me being a... Um, uh, ambassador kind of thing, like a yeah, the face of his app. And this app was Soup App. And Soup App was one of the apps that was made, like that was coins. So people would buy coins and then use them to unlock content. It was really popular. So this was before OnlyFans. Hey, there's all the process. People don't know about it. It's been a step-by-step process. People just think, wow, everyone's naked on the internet. OnlyFans is really popular now. It's like, no, dude. Where have you been for the past like eight years? This shit's been around. <laughs> it's been happening behind your back. You're just catching on now. <laughs> but don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> 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 so um, yeah, no, I was on Supap and my contract for them pretty much to post each week and to promote it on my social media. Yeah, so I went from having 78 cents in my account to signing a contract that was four grand US a week. And and I was on that account for a year, which I should have also been using a private Snapchat and other things like that because I was kind of, kind of limiting myself just within that contract. But it was really good to learn how to, um, I guess, take selfies, do online shows, I really learned the art of um, seduction and teasing, I think, through that app individually because everything before that on my social media was partying to going to 
being the entertainer myself. So I had to learn to change my content and still suit my audience, which apparently I do a pretty good goddamn job. (laughs) My DMCA guy over in the States tells me all the time. So DMCA is um, if you have your content on the internet, so if you're nude somewhere and you don't want it there, you can get it pulled off the internet, and that's what DMCA is. I actually pay a company over in the States and they remove my content off the internet for me because, you know, freeloaders, people subscribe to you and then resell your content. Makes no sense to me why men want to pay another male for a girl's content when they could just pay the girl. It, it baffles me. Uh, I'm like the mentality behind that, I'm like, that is just like headbutting With the whole, obviously, this industry allows women to earn huge amounts of money, yeah. like crazy amounts of money. People don't even understand the amounts of money that, that girls working in the adult industry are, are pulling in every week. And I'm not talking about escorts or anything. I'm literally talking about waitresses like bikini girls yeah. and even strippers. They are pulling in so much money and they have a lot of financial freedom. How 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 much impact do you think that that has on you staying within the industry? I think when you I'm like I'm going to answer this question as because I have so many answers in my head for this question based on myself, but then based on what I see other girls doing. Okay, answer for yourself because you're the focal point of my interview. So yeah, so for myself. Um, <laughs> Look, each year I earn more and more money and I'm at this point where I'm like, I didn't even think, I I never imagined the amount that I'm earning now could be possible and I'm so grateful for it. Um, And with my earnings now, I'm using it to put back into the industry to create um, a safe space and community within the industry because it doesn't exist in Australia. Um, So that's what I'm currently working on now. But when I was waitressing, I it was great earning like what anywhere from like minimum a thousand dollars up to five grand a week. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, did I spend my money wisely? I look back now and go, no, <laughs> probably not. But I was twenty one. I was so young, like. Now I'm now I'm 34 in two months. Like that's a lot of space of growth in between like then and now. So yes, you become accustomed to a lifestyle. What what is your long-term goal? Because obviously, as you age, and I mean you still look great and you're still pretty young, but you know, we're talking 10, 15 years <laughs> down the line. Where does that where does that leave you? What what would you do? What is your hope? To have made enough money to retire oh. or to have put it into something that you can then earn money back from? No. Holy shit, retire. Do you know how bored I get? My mind thinks of like 100,000 things a second. I'm like, if you give me a product, I'll tell you how to sell it. I'm like, my my mind, retire. Oh, my God, no. If I go traveling, I still work. I'm like, if you get this angle, you can record this and we can put this here. And <laughs> no, like. I have so many ideas. Um, Moving back to Sydney, I moved back to Sydney seven months ago and last year was pretty like it was like fast-forwarding all my ideas, which was a little bit overwhelming because I had three businesses 
at once coming to life and it was very like I was very stressed. Um, this year I've kind of slowed down a bit and I'm trying to focus on like the main points of them because fast isn't necessarily good. I want it to be done right so then I don't need to go back and fix mistakes, which you're always going to get mistakes but you don't want the big whammies. Um, so like right now in my life, turning 34 this year, I guess for business moving forward, I have my personal social media, which is my brand Cherry Dana, which I'm focusing this year on YouTube. And I create more like my Instagram stories are more personal and people love them. They like the fact that they can relate because I involve my family, my friends. I show my lifestyle. I show my dog. Um, people like that they get to see a different part of my life, not just um, nude sexual kind of content or subscribe to me. Um, so I think that's why this year I want to focus more on YouTube for my personal brand, Cherry Dana. Apart from that, um, I have my website, Charity TV, which is currently being rebranded to focus around the adult entertainment industry, mental health, dating, sex, relationships, confessions, which will go hand in hand with um, a YouTube channel as well. And we've currently been interviewing multiple people, entertainers within the industry, because I think it's really necessary that society is educated about the industry and different aspects. I think people seem to think that a bikini waitress is a porn star um, or a bikini waitress is an escort. And it is kind of frustrating being within an industry because people have an expectation of you for a service that you don't do and then get upset by it or think that money can buy absolutely everything. And it's really not true. So we're honing in on focusing on like people's boundaries within the industry, their experiences, also the juicy content, how much you can earn, what's the worst experiences, you've had the best experiences, what you would teach someone coming in, would you do it again, would you want your kids to do it? So I've spent just on film days, this hasn't even been released. Just on studio hire and filming, I've already spent 20 grand. I'm investing in myself. Like there's, there are a lot of people and they're like, well, what are you going to do with your money? What are you investing? And I'm like, look, I'm responsible for my own investments. And if something doesn't work out, I can't blame someone else. It'll be my fault. So I want it to work. I want my money to work, but also not like I'm not focusing on how much it's costing me because I'm focusing on how much the industry needs a voice and needs a place to go to, and especially around mental health. So there is no website with a directory that if you need someone within the industry out here that you can talk to because there are a lot of health professionals out there that do have the same perception of the industry as the general public. And you want to be able to know that you can find a health professional that you can talk to that's not going to judge you and that will give you beneficial advice. There really is such a lack of understanding around the industry. Like you said, that is a really, really big problem. People can't differentiate. They don't understand. They hold judgment of people who work in the adult industry. And from 
you know, it's 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 frustrating. I think some of the smartest women I know are from the adult industry. People don't see the behind the scenes. Even for you, when you were starting up with all of the social media and creating your own brand, they're not seeing you planning shoots, doing edits, creating content, you know, doing your own tax returns or whatever. They, they're seeing is this like hot girl in a bikini and, and they're taking that at face value. If people actually stop and think and look at what is going on behind the scenes, how you manage to create that brand, that persona, that whole platform and and earn a really good living off it, people would probably have a much better understanding and a lot more respect for the adult industry if they look past the tip of their nose. Well, a part of that this year, we also want to create um, a like a mentor kind of, I'm not going to say subscription to content or an ebook, but like a mentor kind of program that people can um, subscribe to or become a part of a paid, paid mentorship because it is a lot of time, energy and effort and knowledge that you're handing over at the end of the day. Um, and within that, we do want to focus on a lot of, there are a lot of questions that people starting out in the industry just don't have answers to and support that's needed. Um, like how they handle a bad client, how you handle a bad day, what mental health processes do you take to like get through the week? Like you need to set boundaries. And I think that's a massive thing within the industry. People need to um, be educated in is boundaries. Saying no is okay even within the industry, you can say no and don't feel bad for saying no. Um, But also teaching people about tax, about creating content, how to put it, how to use social media, because you can go from being a stripper in a strip club, but trying to sell content online is that you're in a whole other world. That's a different ball game. So I have managed to create two worlds and bring them together. And the reason I've done so well in the virtual world is because I have understood for the past 10 years working with men physically in jobs, understanding through conversations their wants, their needs, um, how to, I guess, communicate with them effectively, what it is they want, what they appreciate from a female, and then translate that online and be like, this is what they wanted in person, I think this is what they're going to want online as well. Just because they're in another country, they can't be here, doesn't mean they're not going to appreciate if I give them the same experience online. And I think that's where it's kind of been successful, understanding your audience and combining two worlds. For me, one of the most positive points that draws me to you, and I, you know, I'm a straight female, is the fact that your whole brand is built around the girl next door. So yeah. yeah, you're glamorous and you've got the boobs and you've got the blonde hair, but you're super hot, but it's a girl next door kind of theme. You're not very over the top. A lot of the, the girls in the industry online selling content, they're, they're all very similar. So they're very, yeah. very overdone, overworked. And actually I think the thing that has made you so successful and what guys love about you is you're just like that crazy hot girl next door. And, and for guys who aren't Australian as well, that's, you are like, what, how can I phrase this? You are what people think a hot Aussie girl next door would look like. Yes. Well, my main audience are 
um, based in the US. So the US, I think they really, firstly, the accent does it. So if I speak, they like it. My laugh seems to be a focal point for people. They're like, I love your laugh. Just hearing your laugh makes me happy. It turns a negative day into a positive. And I'm like, awesome. So good. Like, I didn't even have to do anything, just sit here and laugh for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, righto. Um, but uh, building, because I've also, another business, Girls of Charity TV, um, and I have been focusing on more finding girls that are relatable as well with a personality where we all get along together. They they do look like a girl next door. You don't look at them when they walk down the street. You go, that girl's a stripper. Yeah. Like they're not walking around with Louis Vuitton handbags or with big Botox lips with, with like this highly manicured exterior that doesn't come across as approachable. Mm. It's, it's very, um, yeah, th- these are just like, I'm not going to say average girls because I think they're phenomenal. But for male, they're pretty. Yeah, they're naturally like you you look at them and you can see she's got a personality. I want to talk to her. I would feel comfortable talking to her in person or online. But that's the biggest thing about that online content is actually it's not just, oh, here's a hot picture of me. It's your personality as well as your looks. It's the whole package. That's what makes girls successful online, I believe, in the adult industry is having the whole package. Because if you've got no personality, you can look as cute as you want. But if you're doing more than just serving a drink, which in in effect you are online, well, how are you going to carry that? How are you going to keep your fans' attention? How are you going to keep them interested in you if you're just, you know, a great set of boobs with nothing nothing going on upstairs. Well, that's the thing, though, because I think that was the same. When I was waitressing, I noticed that that was the same case. Like a girl can be absolutely stunning to look at, but if she just stood there and didn't communicate or have a conversation or smile and look like she wanted to be there and have, like, some girls would have a mentality, well, I've been paid, I'm here. Like, you should just appreciate how I look. And, look, I'm not going to lie. When I worked venues, I'm not going to be that girl that said I never was that girl because I believe within the industry there are, like, steps, mentality steps, and you're always learning new things. So mentally you're growing. You're like, oh, shit, me going to a venue, walking around with a tray, being like, I'm hot as fuck. You should just tip me. That's not going to get me money. I didn't earn money with that mentality. Me going over to a table and just talking shit, like that is probably my my key point. Like I'm like, you're there, you're happy. People feel comfortable around you. You don't walk in with an expectation like, are you going to get me a drink? Like that's what some people do, yeah, and there's an expectation online because you're naked that people should just pay. Everyone's naked online. Just because you're naked online doesn't mean you're making money. Very true. So moving away from the whole business side of things and going back to your personal life, what about dating in the industry? Have you had boyfriends while being in this industry? How have you found it? How do men take you? How, how, how do you even go about it? Like, fuck, they meet you and, and they, they can meet you out or whatever at a bar and then you've got to tell them, actually, I'm this huge online 
you know, adult star. Well, <laughs> for some men, that's going to be a lead balloon. Let's be honest. So, you know, I was going to bring this up earlier, but I stuck to like the business side of things, not personal. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> talk about everything. I've talked about it online. I'm actually running a win a day competition at the moment just because, just because I had so many issues. Like, like you, you look at it, people go to me. Like if I try to go on a date with a guy, he goes, but you get so much, you would have so many guys messaging you. And I'm like, to be honest, like, yeah, on my brand account, I do. Filtered DMs, people telling me they want to marry me and all this thing. And I'm like, if it come to the crunch and I said, yeah, sure, let's get married, that'd be like, oh, no, fuck, no, I was just saying that. Like, I, I don't want to, mm, I'm going to be stuck with you. I just wanted to fuck you. I don't want to be stuck with you. But I thought marriage was a nicer term to write online. But in person, guys look at my social media and are very intimidated. So one of my issues since moving to Sydney is I moved into this five-bedroom house. Yeah, it's fucking great. Love living here. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Do you think guys think it's amazing? No. How many single girls do they meet living in a five-bedroom house? None. They come here, they're so intimidated. I had a guy come up my driveway and go, I'm at the wrong house. Like, this house is too big. Like, this isn't your house. And I'm like, oh, no, it probably is my house. Like, my house is a content house. I have a photography studio in one of my large rooms. Like, we create content here. We shoot YouTube videos. That's the whole idea of living in a space like this. But they don't see that because a lot of people just see, I guess, the majority of what the rest of social media sees. Um, or most guys are just looking to get laid. You become more of a goal instead of a a long-term. People don't look at you as date-worthy. They look at you as a sex symbol and bragging rights to their friends. Oh, fuck, man, I feel like Marilyn Monroe or something. <laughs> The irony of that being that girls that actually work in your industry, in the adult industry, are less interested in blokes because they're used to getting so much yeah. attention. People within the industry are so harshly judged, but like that, there's girls promoting like detox teas and stuff online. And I'm like, you do a lot of cocaine on the weekend. I've seen you doing it. Like it's not the detox tea girlfriend. Let's just make that clear. But it comes from, I guess, like, a self-worth belief. So in relating that to dating, I was attracting the not nice relationships and toxic relationships because that was my idea of my self-worth. So working on myself over the years and my self-worth and my opinion of myself has now changed this type of male I'm attracting. But also... um like if I see a guy who's only interested in sex and I'm just like, yeah, not nah, beat it. Whereas probably 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, he's super interested in me and, and would have fallen for that guy. But now I go, no, nah, beat it, champ. Like, jog on. What would you do if you met your perfect guy, someone that you were like, this is the guy I really want to be with and, and you had been together for a little while and then he turned around and said that he wanted you to get out of the adult industry? What would your decision there, be there? That then and there is not my perfect guy because I don't go and date a plumber and go, I don't like you working in shit all day. You come home smelling like shit, leave plumbing. 
I don't go to a seafood market and say you stink of fish when you come home. I think you should get another job because it turns me off. I'm not sexually attracted to the smell of dirty fish on you. I, like I don't do that. So I wouldn't expect somebody knowing my social media, knowing everything. And this is a massive issue, especially I call it the three-month probationary period. You get it in workplaces. You also have the same with dating. Like it takes three months to get to know somebody a bit better mm. Well, for me, give or take, takes me like two weeks to four weeks now and I flick fast because I'm like <laughs> in our <laughs> body language. <laughs> no, come on. Being in the industry, knowing body language, knowing people's intent. I'm an empath. So reading people's energy as well, knowing when someone's lying to me, these are like big things. So I also find dating hard because I'm an empath because I take on other people's energies. Right. And I don't like being lied to. I'm very strong on being lied to. And a lot of men seem to think that not being honest about something is is a better option. And I'm like, no, just be honest with me because I already know you're lying to me. I can feel it and I just want to hear you be honest. And now I'm like, if you can't do that, fuck off. This is Barry like, Cutthroats. But I also need someone who understands business. Like working for yourself is a completely different mentality with or without the adult industry. Mm. I've met a lot of guys that go, you work too much. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't live here and have my lifestyle for not working. Yeah. If I don't work, no one's going to do it for me. And the fact that, oh, wait, I've also had dates where guys go, I, I can be a stay-at-home dad. On the first date. Uh, that'll be a no. That's the door. That is a red flag. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't say. Or people go, yeah, you can be my sugar mama. I'm like, how about you just go get a job and pay for your own things and, and then you can probably just do your own Jesus. life. Like these are the sort of people that I'm automatically like red flag, red flag, red flag. But I did have a date this week. He is quite lovely, this guy. Oh, Okay. How do you meet yeah. your yeah. friends? Do you try online dating? Yes, I do, and it's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard anything positive, actually, about it to date. So. No, there's so many people that push for my address and my phone number. It's fucking creepy, let's be honest. I had a guy yeah, tell weird. me I wasn't a woman because he tried to schedule three dates with me in an exact date, time, location, telling me he wanted to pick me up from my house. And I said no each time. I said I understand that benefits you, but that's not benefiting me. You're not really giving me an option. You're saying Saturday at 2 p.m. we will go on a date. I'm like, I don't like being told what to do. You're telling me we're going on a date. You're telling me you want my address to pick me up. I'm like, you sound like a first date, like clip on koala creep. Like I'm probably not even going to make the date because you're going to try to kill me or something. Like hell no, champion. No. And then you're telling me I'm not a woman because of it. So I'm like taking negging elsewhere. You're toxic. Like <laughs> no, so this date this week I didn't meet on a dating app and I think that's why it's different. Look, we get, now that we talk about this, probably nothing's going to happen. There'll be like no second date and I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool, so that went well. <laughs> I'll let her touch like, basically next month. She'll be like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, six months I'll be like, yeah, on to like uh, my 10th date. No. <laughs> Or just write a book about it. No. <laughs> so how do your family feel about all of this, of your line of work? Uh, now, like, they're not phased by it. But um, it had it was a process over the years. Um, 
So when I did lingerie waitressing, they knew about it. Then I started topless waitressing and I guess they found out I was topless when then I created my public Snapchat and was topless online and everyone knew about it. I think the person who had the most issue was my brother because all of his friends were watching my content and they would always give him shit about it. So my brother got really angry, like he would get really angry and then one day, probably like four years into the industry, yes, took him a while, um, <laughs> he walks in to the house and he's like, do you make good money? And I'm like, yes. Okay, fine. And, and that was it. And then he kind of changed his attitude. I was like, oh, fucking righto. So what would you say are the driving factors then to get into the industry for girls just starting up? I think people need to understand that you I'm going to say it bluntly because it's fucking true. You sell a bit of your soul in this industry. You give away your personal life. Like everyone you speak to within this industry has struggled with dating, um, keeping down a relationship. Um, There might be some issues with their family or going through the process of telling their family, like, It's not an easy industry. I didn't think starting the industry, I did it for myself. I didn't realise it would have a ripple effect on my family. People can be such dicks and be so naive in something that they don't know. And I think that really made me want to create the online content that we're currently filming because people need to be educated. People need to know that we are normal people. Just because we are comfortable being naked and we provide a service, it is a service. Like you go to work, you provide a service. You come home, you are you. People really need to understand we are people too. And I think that's what my content, I, I try to get across. Everyone has feelings. Like these people are beautiful people. Some of these people we interview are so intelligent. Like they've created businesses and brands and you learn so much. You meet phenomenal people in this industry. It's not all drugs, alcohol, addictions, negativity. Like, I think that's a very small fraction of the adult industry. Very, very small. There was a stat. Let me get this stat up. This stat was amazing. So I was um, listening to another um, podcast, Aussie podcast. Oh, God, I don't know, going back a few days ago. Um, oh, I can't find it, but it's basically to do with um, escorts in Queensland. And it was the it was something like seventy eight percent of the people who had like a bachelor's degree or, or whatever the the thing was were um, adult workers. They're actually escorts because the whole the, it was mere mortals. I don't know if you've listened to their podcast or not, but there was it was quite interesting. And they were talking about they were actually talking about escorting and and brothels and so on and so forth. But they were just saying like these girls are fucking smart girls. No, I find it. Look, I find it interesting how many people from within the industry also study some form of counselling or psychology. Psychology is massive. Like, Yeah, actually, I agree with that. A very, very good friend of mine um, mm. is, is a psychologist and she was in the adult industry for years. One thing that I will say, I think you, mm. you, you know people. You know people really well because your product is you and you are trying to get people to buy into you. So yeah. you know how to manipulate your product, being you, yeah. to suit all of your different consumers, basically. That's how you're going to break it down. So through that, I think you actually learn 
people inside and out. But I feel like with or without, like, say, my brand, just coming from within the industry, like, it is your job to understand a person because you're there to serve a purpose, whether it be to serve drinks, whether you are an escort in, like, how many escorts? Half of them don't even have sex with their clients. It's not about sex. I think for a lot of the guys, though, it's not really even about a sexual side of things. It's just about a bit of company. Like perhaps they're a bit lonely, a bit bored, looking for a bit of entertainment. And it's just that company. It is. It is about It's about giving people attention. Like on a lot of OnlyFans accounts, there are marketing teams that run messages for girls and they are men. And the one issue I saw... And I said to this guy who ran a team, I said, you're losing people, subscribers, because you don't understand the mentality behind it. I'm like, you were giving one option only. I'm like, just because you're sexting with these men, that's not what they all want. That's like saying someone goes to a strip club solely to get a lap dance. They pay for a lap dance because they want somebody to listen to them. They sit there, they chat about their life, they chat about your life. They come, girls have regulars that will come to the club three, four times a week because they become their friend. Like people come online, people on my OnlyFans, they chat to me about normal things. What are you doing today? Hey, guys, I went to the reptile park. I fed an alligator this week. Here's the video. Wow, that's so fucking cool. I really want to do that. I did this. I did that. People want to chat to you. For me, I uh, a lot of people might not agree with my views. For me, I think things that there's a lot more to it than than it than just sex or the idea of sex. And they they don't want to necessarily go and have an affair. They're not looking to do anything wrong. They still love their wife and their kid. So they go to a strip club, not because they want yeah. the lap dance, but because they want company. They want attention. So they're trying to kind of find a, a middle ground. And for me, I personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I understand that. And I'm a woman, you know, one of my points I wanted to bring up and one of my favorite things about your Instagram and anyone that goes on and follows Cherry on Instagram, I will pop all of her Insta handles and, and deets obviously on the, on the bio and stuff. One of my favorite things about your Instagram is that, you know, I, I can like girl fan over like you having like a really hot butt. And then on the next clip, <laughs> it'll be your grandma. Like, I feel like your grandma should just have a whole account of her own. She is an actual superstar within her own right. I love that woman. How old is she? She's 92. She pisses. I'm like, on TikTok, my most viral video is her throwing ping pong balls into cups of water. And I was like, she's got 2.3 million views. And I'm <laughs> that's what I'm fucking doing wrong. She's I need brilliant. to get balls in cups. I need to be old and to get balls in cups. She's so funny. She loves it. Anyways, I went home last week and she goes, how many views has my video got? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just like 2.2 million views at that stage. She's like, we need to step the game up for the next video. And I'm like, how about we stick to balls and we'll just do a different technique. We can put cups on our heads or something. Like I'll get three girls in a row to throw balls at, at our heads. Oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> Three girls up in bikinis with cups on their heads and your grandmother yeah. can just throw the balls into the cups. She, she's a superhero honestly she's, she, um, she is uh, she's so funny she loves oh, a drink she loves gin she loves a light beer loves everything i saw her 
spilled your glass of wine the other day. So like you went out somewhere and you came back and you were like, you took yeah. my drink. Yeah, I took my niece and nephew out to my car to get stuff out of the car. Then they're playing in it. I come back, she drank two of my, like a drink. She drank my wine, filled it up again, went to the toilet. She comes back, she drinks the other one. I'm like, mate, she's like, you've got to drive us home. I'm like, that would be great. One glass of wine's not going to hurt me. You keep taking my one glass of wine. She was so tipsy. She had four glasses of wine before dinner and then couldn't understand why she was tipsy talking shit. I was like, you are cut off. Absolute (laughs) grandma goals. I love her. She's a hero. She is between her and your dog, George. It literally cracks me up. I'll tell you what's really funny. Have you ever noticed that with dogs, like dogs are a great telltale sign of who you should and shouldn't date. Yeah, I agree with that. You know me, I'm like the ultimate dog mom. I have no kids. I'm all about the dogs. And for me, if my animals didn't like a bloke, well, that's all you or or even a woman, whoever it might be, that's all you need to know. George is a massive cock block. So if I sit on my couch with someone, George will come up and go like full on them, like up on here, put his face in their face. And they think it's like, oh my God, he really likes me. He's He's dominating you. I don't know how you don't see that. Uh, he's probably he's pinning. Yeah, the couch. I'm like, or he gets up and sits in between us. Or if we go to the bedroom, the guy will walk in the room. Then George will get up on the bed, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think he likes you to be honest. Hey, like, because there's some guys you just won't do it with, and then there's other ones where he's just like, nah. Love him. Yeah, I think I think that literally between George and your grandma, it just keeps shit real for me on your social media. That is what I love about your social media. Well, George is funny. I want to create like an animation around George because he's so funny. Yeah, I'm talking about you, mate. Oh, the, there's George. He's just like looking at you. All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go so you can get on with giving George some fuss and love. But on that note, thank you so much for coming on and giving everyone an insight into your life and some behind the scenes insight into the adult entertainment industry too. Thank you so much again for listening, guys. And if you guys want to see more on Cherry or also my other two favorites, which is her grandma and her dog, George, then hop onto the Grown Up Pestle podcast on Instagram, where you'll find Cherry tagged on the show's grid post. While you're there, give us a follow to stay updated on up and coming shows and any of my weekly live quotes that I also like to drop into the mix. And also don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on to be first in line for next week's show and our bonus Valentine's Day drop. Hope you all have a great week, guys, and I'll catch you all on Valentine's Day. 